Um, I wonder if you could turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. This is it. This is the end of 1 Corinthians. We started this in September, and uh, we come to the end of 1 Corinthians today. And I'm going to read the last chapter of this, um, this book that we've been studying, and then we're going to spend some time thinking about it together. Um, 157. 1157. I'm actually going to read the last verse of chapter 15. You'll see why uh, in a minute. But the last verse of chapter 15 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. Set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give them with your gifts to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you. But I'll be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. But I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost to me, and there are many who oppose me. When Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace, so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him along with the brothers. Now, about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. You know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, And they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and what was lacking from you. For they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. And so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. If anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. The grace of the Lord be of you in Christ Jesus. Amen. It's always slightly puzzling, isn't it, what you do at the end of a letter? You've got a load of uh, personal requests, personal people being mentioned. Let me try and show you um, what I think is going on, the, bi- the big theme that's going on, and I'll unpack it and we'll try and understand it. It's really, uh, in order to understand, you just have to think of the seven dwarfs. Have you seen Snow White and the seven dwarfs? Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. I think as Paul finishes 1 Corinthians, he says, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. That's the big theme. The big theme is that there is work to do. Paul's written this great big long letter. He's told them lots and lots of things. And now he says, right, come on, get to it. There's work to be done. 
Let me just show you what I mean. That's why I read the last verse of chapter 15. Did you notice it? Have a look at what it says. My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know you're lazy. You got it? You give yourself fully to the work. That's Paul's big conclusion to his letter. Everything he said, this is what I want you to do, church. Come on, church. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. And then when you uh, drop down into what he's saying, look at how he talks about Timothy. Um, Timothy, in verse 10, is carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. Or you jump down to um, verse 16, and he talks about these these um, other Christians, and he says, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. Work. There is work to be done. And the question is, what are we going to hi-ho, hi-ho off to work we go to? What work are we going to hi-ho off to? <laughs> if hi-hoing is a verb, which it might not be, but it is now. What is it we're going to give ourselves fully to? All of us are going to give ourselves to work in some way, shape, or form. All of us have a work that becomes our life's work, even if our work is to do as little work as possible for the rest of our lives. Everyone's got a work that you are going to dedicate your whole life to. Because you can either work in the Lord, for the Lord, you can either work to serve Him, or you can work in your own name, to serve yourself, to build a name for yourself. Now remember, if you've been with us since September, hopefully some of this is familiar to you by now, that Corinthians, they've got some big issues, they've got some big, off to work we going in a... Partly, firstly, first big chunk, to be impressive, to, be, to achieve. We're going to work to be impressive. We're going to work to look good. We're going to work to achieve great stuff. And perhaps that's what's driving some of us this afternoon. We want to make a name for ourselves. We want to be impressive to the world. We want the world to say, wow, look at them. They're so powerful. They're so awesome. They're such a great worker. Or, or globe. That's not working in the Lord, right? That's working in your own name. That's working to build your own little empire. That's not working in the Lord. Okay. The middle chunk, remember. <laughs> I say remember in a kind of hopeful way. Remember, the middle chunk was about um, ple- freedom and pleasure. Some people, hi-ho, hi-ho, off to work we go for pleasure. They say, this is my life's work. Not to achieve stuff, that's far too hard work. My life's work is just to whatever pleasure I want, to follow whatever idolatrous desire I want, just to do what I want. That's freedom, right? This is what's going on in Corinth. Some of them are living to be impressive. Some of them are living simply for freedom and pleasure. Or in that then, that third big chunk of 1 Corinthians which we saw about spirituality and about an impressive and an awesome experience some people just want an experience they want they want to give themselves they say my actual thing and at the end of his letter he says listen if the gospel's true abandon all your achievements abandon all your obsession with pleasure abandon your obsession with experience and give yourself to the work of following Christ Give yourself to the work of the Lord. That's what he's saying at the end of his letter. And then he lists these people and he gives examples of what it looks like. 
Now, there's one key verse, I think, in chapter 16. It's the kind of verse which has got all the commands in it. There's a few commands, but there's one verse. It's got five commands in like two sentences. So we're going to start. We're going to be serious about giving yourself to the work of the Lord. This is, this is what it's going to look like. Okay? So verse 13 and 14. You ready? Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. Boom, 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 boom. Give yourself to the work of the Lord. What does that mean? It means that. Five things. Let's break that down a little bit. Let's assign each of those commands to a part of the body. Just for fun. On your guard. I want to suggest that that's really about the eyes. In other words, you've got to have your eyes open to be on your... It's very difficult to be on guard with your eyes closed, right? Come on, you've all seen meerkats, right? Everyone loves meerkats. Everybody loves meerkats. It's hilarious. Is there anybody here who hates meerkats? Exactly. See? Point proven. They are basically just rats with tails. But the rats doesn't matter. You go to the zoo, right? You go. To, this makes me laugh every time. You go to the zoo, go to the meerkat enclosure. Love it. Love the meerkat enclosure. There's always one standing guard. Yes? This is just what meerkats do. Standing there looking around. They're, they're really stressed. You're like, you're in a zoo. Okay? Nothing can get in. You are as safe as you can be. Yes, but <laughs> you never know, never know, never know. <laughs> I love it. I love this kind of way the meerkats live. Eyes open to see that there's danger. Do you know what? Paul says to these Christians, be on your guard. Wake up. Get your eyes open to see that you're in danger. You are in danger of of being seduced by the impressive achievements of this world. You're in danger of that. You're, you're in danger of giving yourself to, to, to just indulging your own pleasure. Saying, I'm free, I can do whatever I want. You're in danger of that. You're in danger of substituting Jesus for some spiritual, mystical experience. And Paul says, Be-. it's very like um, uh, Jesus on the night he died when he took his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a fascinating story, isn't it? Because Jesus takes his three closest friends with him. It's the night before he dies. Jesus goes to pray. And he what does he say to them? He says, keep watch. Could you guys be my meerkats? Just for for a few hours while I pray. And Jesus comes back to them and he finds them so human. I know exactly what it feels like to fall fast asleep. And Jesus says to them, you've got... And perhaps for some of us, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's what we need to hear. If you're going to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, the trouble is we've gone sleepy. Our eyes have begun to close. We're not, we're not seeing the danger. And bit by bit, there's a big lion creeping up on the meerkat enclosure. But the meerkat's too busy playing on his phone. And he's distracted and he's not watching and he's looking at himself out in the world and there's a, a lion coming. We may have pushed that too far. But your eyes have got to be open to see the danger. But the second thing is then your feet, right? Your feet, this is where the meerkat illustration ends. Because when a meerkat sees danger, what it does is freaks and runs. Runs into its little burrow and goes, ah! there's a lion coming and they all run around panicking no no when you see danger coming what does Paul see, say what is the cre- you stand firm in the faith I love that 
There's danger coming. What do we do? You stand. You get your feet firmly planted. Not, right, get this, not in yourself. This isn't a kind of, oh yes, look at me, I can, I'll be okay. This is a, no, I know the safe ground to stand. I know where I'm supposed to be standing. I'm supposed to be standing in the faith. What's the faith, Paul? Not in faith, it's the faith. That is something solid. That is the things that are of first importance that Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures. That on the, he was buried and on the third day he rose again and appeared to many people for your sins. This is the gospel that Christ died for you. So you stand firm there. How do you give yourself fully to the work of the Lord? You see the danger and then you see. Here's the, da- here's, here's the problem. We lose sight of Jesus. We begin to move our feet. We begin to place our foundation not in Jesus, but in our achievements. We build our identity in what we've done. We build our identity in the career that we've got, how impressive we are. And as soon as that begins to wobble, we're gone. Or you begin to build your identity in the the pleasure and the, the, the relationships that you build or whatever it is. As soon as those things fall apart, you're gone. But here is solid ground. Standing on Christ solidly today. I'm not asking, do you love him? I'm not asking, do you like him? I'm not asking, can you sing songs? I'm not asking, rooted on him. Is he the one who you run to? Is he the one who keeps you safe? Is he the one who is everything? That's how you give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. And the next thing then is eyes, feet, and then your mind. Be courageous. I don't want you to think of courage. I don't want you to picture when you think of a courageous person. Have a little image in your mind now. What do you think of? Don't you have to tell me out loud. Because you might spoil my idea. But what do you think of? I'll tell you what I think of. I think of a little old lady called Dorothy Spencer just been told by the doctors that she was going to die and I went to visit her in hospital and she said to me I've heard sermons for years and years and years about how to stand firm in the faith I need them I'm trusting it now and what she was doing was she was making the decision to trust what she believed she was making the decision to stand on Christ she was prepared She was ready for the struggle. Being courageous has got nothing to do with not being afraid. She was terrified. Being courageous does not mean that you're not scared. Ready. Your mind is prepared so that when the struggle comes, you're ready for it. This is what people kept talking about the England. Sorry, one. It's nearly over, right? The World Cup is nearly over. You know, life can get back to normal. This is what people kept talking about the England penalty takers. You practice it over and over again so that when the moment of pressure comes, you're ready. That's what it means to give yourself fully. It means that your mind is ready. Don't over what it was to trust Christ so that when the pressure came, she was ready to trust Christ. You see? That's what's going on. We've got to practice. We've got to prepare our minds. We've got to be ready, ready, ready. Every day, trust, trust, trust. So that when the pressure really strikes, you're ready. It becomes your default. 
Um, there was, I was going to show it, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, the Croatian fireman. Who saw the video of the Croatian fireman? Right? There was some football and watching the penalty shootout. And they're sitting there watching it. All of the firemen, it's the penalty shootout. It's right at the end of the match. The alarm goes in their station. They all jump up, run, put on their stuff, and they're out the door in 30 seconds. It's a great picture of what it means to be ready. That sense of, I'm ready to go. as soon I, My mind is prepared. That's what it means to be courageous. So your mind... Oops. Never mind. Who cares? Your hands is next, or your arms, I think, is maybe even better. Be strong. So once your, so once your eyes are fixed on Christ... And once your feet are rooted in him, once your mind is prepared, then be strong. Get on with it. Serve him. Do stuff. Be strong. Don't sit around saying, oh, well, I'm no use at anything. But you're part of the body. This is what we saw in 1 Corinthians 12. God's given you gifts. Get on and use them. Be strong. And then finally, um, your heart. That is, do everything in love. This isn't some brave hero wandering around going, oh, look at me, I'm so strong. No, it's nothing to do with that. This is to do with you loving, giving yourself, laying down your life for others. A heart. So if we're going to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord, it will mean these five things. So I wonder this afternoon, as you think about your... Let me try and get this. As you think about your eyes, your feet, your mind, your hands, and your heart. Are you ready? Are you ready? It may be that some of us are sitting here this afternoon, and you're very new to this stuff, and you think, oh, this is very strange. I've never heard this stuff before. Okay, well, let me break it down really simple for you, right? There Jesus. He died on a cross so that you could be forgiven. You trust him. You, be- you belong to him. You become his. And he invites you, calls you to do that today. Trust him. And then you spend the rest of your life doing this. Eyes on the danger. Feet rooted in Christ. Ready to go. So hopefully you can get all that, right? That's what it means. That's how you get prepared. I want you to take those things away and think those things through. Work the ways that God would give you that readiness. Okay, now let me show you um, how it works out in the rest of the chapter, okay? Everyone still alive? Let's talk about uh, let's talk about our wallets. Um, we're going to talk about our wallets, our, our plans, and our family. All right, that's what happens in this chapter. Our wallets, our plans, our diaries, uh, and our family. So come back back to um, chapter sixteen, verse one. How do you spot someone who is giving themselves? to the work of the danger and all the rest of it. Well, here's one way, chapter 16, verse 1. About the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. And he explains uh, how they're to set aside money on the first day of every week, uh, some of money in keeping with your income, save it up, and no collections have to be made. So here's the thing, right? Paul is writing to his church saying, it's important to be giving. Giving money to support gospel work. In fact, particularly here, you see it's mentioned Jerusalem, so that it needs help. And so he says, 
give money to, to support this church. And people who give themselves fully, it's very difficult to give yourself fully to something if you don't give money to it, isn't it? As I give myself absolutely fully to this, except, except my money. Actually, your money is part of your, where Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Not more about it. So what are the principles then in our wallets? How should we think about our wallets? Well, look what he says. He says, um, think about it regularly. What day of the week are you supposed to set aside the money, according to 1 Corinthians? First day of the week. Why? Why the first day? Priorities. If you... If you so it either works like this. There's two ways of doing it. You either go, can I give to, what can I give to God? Now what's left? Or you go, got some money. Ah, what's left? Ooh, not much. <laughs> On the first day, that is, you give first to God. You give out of everything he's given to us first to God. Now we don't have to take this kind of legalistically to say that means each one of us on the first day of the week should set aside some. It's not that prescriptive of exactly what we're supposed to do, but the principle is you, you didn't make a decision. You give and you give. And that might mean you have to go out without some stuff. In fact, it almost certainly, well, it definitely will mean you have to go without some stuff. Because you say, no, I, I want to give myself fully to the work of the Lord. And it might mean that you're not as impressive as you might otherwise be, that you don't have quite the flashy car. It might mean that you don't have as much pleasure as you might otherwise do. But actually you say, but those things aren't what rule me. Christ rules me. And so we give. So let me ask you, because it comes up in the passage, are you loving God with your wallet? Are you giving to God not simply out of what you've got left, but are you giving to God generously out of what he's given to you? The Bible doesn't set aside how much you should give. The Bible doesn't say that you should give however much. It says you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So we can't all afford to give the same. Of course we can't. Some of us have very, very little money. Little. That is not a reason to give nothing. You give out of the little that you have. Some of us have a lot. Not many of us. Some of us have a lot. And we give out of the lot that we have. But you give in keeping. Now, if you're going to give like that, let me tell you, you will need your eyes open to the danger. You will need your feet rooted in Christ. You will need your mind prepared. You need to be courageous. It takes courage to give. It's a courageous thing to give money. You see, it out the principles. So in your wallets be generous so um we were talking about this at church meeting the other day we as a church family we praise god for the generosity people at globe church give really generously and we thank god for that but it may be that there's people here that we could just think oh maybe maybe i need to look at that again we encourage you to do that okay so in, in our wallets what about in our plan I'm going through macedonia i'll come to you i'll be going through macedonia i may stay with you for a while or it's all a bit random, this, isn't it? What, what's going on? Would you notice how Paul submits all of his plans to what God thinks? So he says, I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. Paul doesn't run through life 
with his little plan going, I've got a plan. Some of us love strategic plans. Some of us love kind of strategy and we love to control everything. Be absolutely, I'm going to do this. Then I'm going to do this and this. Now that's fine, okay? It's okay to plan. But it's not okay to be ruled by your plan. The person who gives himself fully to the work of the Lord is the person who say, I'll do this if the Lord permits. We used to have a little old lady, a lot of little old ladies in my sermon today. This little old lady was called Betty. Uh, Betty, it was. Whenever you asked her to do anything, she would always say, um, if the Lord permits. You know, do you want to come to tea this afternoon? Well, if the Lord permits. Okay. If he permits, let's see. Uh, you'd be like, let's hope, let's hope we get God's approval on this one. Um, but actually, there's something really wonderful. She's a, she's a legend of an old lady, right? She really is. She, my, just tell you the story, right? My, and then turned away from Jesus, hasn't been following Jesus for ages. He bumped into Betty Singleton, who's now in her 90s. He bumped into her in Aldi the other day in Southampton. And uh, she didn't recognize him, but he recognized her. And she said, Betty, hello. She, and she was like, oh, who are you? And he said, I'm Tim. She's like, oh, Tim. First thing she said, have you accepted Jesus back into your heart yet? <laughs> Isn't that brilliant? Not, not yet. <laughs> and she said, I will pray for you every single day. And Tim, my brother, said to my mum, I think she probably will. <laughs> but you see, here's someone. And the reason I tell that story is because it's someone who's saying, you know what? I'm in God's hands. And, and I know that it's a little bit quaint to always say, God willing, God willing, God willing. But we've lost that completely. We make plans as if we know exactly what's coming. Paul says, I'll come to you if the Lord permits. I'll make my plans, but to be honest, God's in control. It may not work out quite like I think. And then he says in verse 8, I'm going to stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work is open to me and there are many who oppose me. He says, look, God, this is where God has opened the door at the moment. I'm going to work here. God's opened the door. You see, it's God who does this stuff. It's and. And when opposition comes, that's not a reason to run away and say, oh, obviously this isn't the Lord's will. No, opposition sometimes is the Lord's will. person who gives themselves fully to the work of the Lord says, okay, I'm going to do this if the Lord permits. I'm in his hands. I want to follow where he goes. Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. I'll make my plans according to you. So our wallets, our plans, and our family. Have a look from verse 10. This is verse 10 really to the end. He lists all these names. And their fellow workers, they're part of the family. When Timothy comes, see to it, he has on the work of the Lord, just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. I wonder what Timothy was like. Paul writes, look, when Timothy comes, can you not be mean to him? <laughs> Please be nice to him. Don't treat him with contempt. I wonder if that's because Timothy's not that impressive. I wonder if it's because Timothy doesn't quite match up to their high standards of spirituality. I wonder if it's because Paul is sending Timothy with some pretty tough stuff to say. Can you treat him kindly as a brother? And then send him on his way in peace so he may return. 
Do you see? We can be so harsh with one another. When someone in, who comes along who's not quite up to stand, doesn't quite fit in, doesn't quite match our definition of cool. De- <laughs> not that I have a very narrow definition of cool. Doesn't quite fit. Or treat each other with contempt. If you're giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord, that means you give yourself fully to the work of his family. You listen to one another. Apollos, he didn't seem very keen to go. Paul strongly urged him. He was unwilling. But he will go, (laughs) says Paul in his firm kind of fatherly. But he will come. (laughs) You see, it's very human, right? Apollos, I don't really fancy. And Paul says, he'll come. And then he talks about these guys, Stephanus, who was the first convert in Achaia. And he talks about them so warmly. They've devoted themselves to the service of the Lord. Here they are living their lives out, giving themselves to the work of the Lord, just devoted to serving other people in the church. You've met people like that? If you find people like that, then submit to such people. 18. Uh, yeah. They refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. When you find people who serve, recognize them. I once heard a guy stand up and say, I never thank anyone for anything they do in our church. And he had a reason. And it was an interesting reason. I think he's wrong. I think you recognize and you honor people who work hard in the Lord. And we're a bit squeamish about that. Actually, it's right to say, well done. It's right to say, I noticed that. It's right to honor people. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying, let's be a church family who say, yeah, look, there's someone honoring God. Let's celebrate that. Let's write letters to one another saying, I noticed what you did and I thank God for you. Paul's always thanking God for people. And I want to encourage us to be a church that gives recognition to those who work hard. And then you get all these greeting stuff. And the final um, command, greet one another with a holy kiss. So uh, that's going to change the welcome team. So welcome us. Uh, This is a direct thing for you. Uh, If you could take that on board, that would be lovely. Um, (laughs) Clearly it doesn't culturally necessarily mean exactly this. But what it means is greet one another warmly. Be a place where you are warm towards one another. You give yourself fully to the work of the Lord by welcoming, by... And then he finishes with this strong command, statement, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus, that person be cursed. Come, Lord. He's writing this letter because he's saying, I want you to wake up, to be on guard, to see what's going on, to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. And if there's anyone who says, no, I don't want that. Well, the tragedy is that puts them not in the church family, but outside. Bring about 1 Corinthians 15. Come and bring about resurrection. Come and give us our new bodies. Come and bring the new creation. That's what we're longing for. That's why we give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord. So yeah, 1 Corinthians 16 is full of commands. It's bitty. But can you see it's this work, 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 work. Give yourself to this work. And when you feel tired, that's okay. Works hard. Works tiring. 
Holidays aren't hard work. Working. Sometimes we need a rest. Sometimes we need a break. But you only need a break so you can work again. So why don't we pray? Let's pray that we be the Lord. That means with our wallets. It means with our diaries. It means with our family, the way we treat one another, giving recognition to one another. This is the work of the Lord, Lord God's called us to. Let's give ourselves fully to it. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you that we have a king in Jesus who gave himself fully to your work. Thank you that he was always awake, always alive. Father, thank you that his feet were firmly rooted in you. Thank you that our Lord Jesus, he was prepared, his mind was ready. Thank you that his arms were strong to do the work. And thank you that he did it all in love. Father, we thank you for Jesus. And we ask that we would give ourselves to him. Give ourselves to serve him. Father, please help us as a church family, we pray. Thank you for one another. Help us to love one another in Jesus' name. Amen.